Welcome to Bogo the Line, where we talk about working in Hollywood from the crew perspective. My name is Skid. I was an assistant director in Hollywood for the better part of eight years, and now I'm not. Today, we're talking about Counterpart, a TV series that aired on Stars for two seasons of 10 episodes each. The first season aired in 2017 and the second, 2018. The show was critically acclaimed but got low ratings. Stars did not renew it for a third season. For what it's worth, at Rotten Tomatoes, the show earned a tomato meter score of 100%. And the critics' consensus for the first season reads, Tense and gripping, Counterpart is an absorbing thrill fest led by J.K. Simmons' multifaceted dual lead performance. Normally here on Below the Line, we don't care what the critics thought. But this is a show that if you haven't seen it, I'd encourage you to go find. Personally, I added stars to my cable package just so I could watch it. Oddly, the show is no longer available for viewing via the Stars app, but you can rent or buy it through numerous streaming platforms, or if you're an old-school Netflix subscriber like myself, you can add it to your DVD queue. Now, the premise of Counterpart is such that I'm predicting we can have a deep-dive discussion from the crew perspective without actually spoiling any plot points. So even if you haven't seen the show, I'd encourage you to stick around. We'll talk about the premise in more detail, but first, let me introduce my guests. Taylor Phillips, you were a first assistant director for the second season. Welcome to Below the Line. Thank you for having me. Hey, Taylor. Nice to see you. You and I actually first met back in 2005 when you were a production assistant, and we worked together on Just Like Heaven, the movie starring Reese Witherspoon and Mark Ruffalo. That itself is a story we're going to save for another podcast, but tell our audience what you're working on now. Right now, I'm the first AD on The Rookie uh, on ABC, procedural cop show. It's tons of fun. (laughs) Again, a topic uh, topic for another podcast. Well, thanks for joining us today. Next, we're joined by another first AD from Counterpart, Thomas Boucher. Thomas, welcome. Thank you for having me. So Thomas, first season you were Counterpart's second AD, and you got promoted to first AD for the second season, which was actually the first time you first did. Is that correct? That's correct. And what are you working on now? Uh, Right now I'm working on a secret-ish pilot for Apple called The Devil in the Dojo. So can't say much more but that's what that is. Not yet, but again, we'll expect you to come back and get more details when you're cleared. So, hey, thanks for joining us today. And then finally, in our fourth chair today is Angela Nogaro, who led the makeup department for both seasons of the show. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. We're glad you're here, Angela. Your IMDb movie credits date back more than 30 years, and we could clearly spend multiple podcasts breaking them down in detail. Uh, I want to encourage our listeners to check them out for themselves, but because I know we're all interested in digging into Counterpart, Just tell us what you're working on now. I'm doing the fourth season of 13 Reasons Why. That is a franchise that has gone longer than many people expected. Well, thanks for coming to to join us today. Really nice to have you all here. Uh, And Angela, particularly you, because when I have just AD guests, they tend to go a little wonky when looking back at these shows. So I'm counting on you to provide a little more color. I think that's the reason Taylor thought I should be here. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, everybody, for joining in. Okay, now we're ready to talk about Counterpart. As mentioned earlier, I think it's possible to have a conversation about this show from a below-the-line perspective that doesn't spoil the plot because the challenges of filming this series are baked into the premise itself. So for the benefit of new initiates, let's spell out that premise. Howard Silk, played by J.K. Simmons, is a low-level employee at a Berlin-based United Nations agency called the Office of Interchange, or OI. Unknown to him, OI supervises the crossing point to a parallel world that was discovered in 1987. For reasons both large and small, the two worlds, which were identical at point of first contact, now have 30 years of divergent history. And as a result of this divergence, 
individuals from the prime world are very different from their counterparts in the alpha world. Or are they? Spackle on a layer of geopolitical conflict and intrigue, and that's what the show is about. Now, before we go deeper, I tried to be both pithy and informative, but let me know if there's anything you guys would like to add to that description of the premise. I think, that's I think that gets it. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> on. Uh, yeah. Well, good, good. Thanks guys. Okay. So let's unpack that a little from a crew perspective. What would you guys identify as some of the biggest challenges on this show? You know, for the ADs, it's certainly scheduling. You're scheduling across two continents, uh, 10 episodes, cross-boarding. Um, in addition, we're, you know, JK Simmons dropped 30 pounds between the first time we left Berlin and got back to LA. Uh, so, you know, we had to schedule, we had to make sure that we shaved his beard in the proper order. And uh, yeah, that's certainly some uh, interesting challenges. Thomas and I, I think shared close to 50, 50 or 60 schedules throughout the course of just the first, just the first five episodes. Well, you know, I want to break that down in, in, in a little more detail. So first, when you talk about um, scheduling back and forth, so you filmed in Berlin and in Los Angeles. That's correct. And it was not one episode on one side and one episode on the other, but a mix of all the episodes in both locations. Correct. Thomas has a way of breaking this down faster than any human possible, so I'll turn it over to him. Uh, yeah, the, the challenge in the second, the first season had a different pattern. So the first season we shot all 10 episodes in Los Angeles and then brought all 10 episodes of work of uh, the Berlin portion over to Berlin and shot that in one cross-boarded 42-day schedule. Second season, they wanted a different approach to, in order to deliver episodes faster. So we did the first five episodes starting in Berlin, uh, doing the entire Berlin portion. JK would come out for a week, do all of his work in Berlin for the stuff that he had to be in Berlin for, for six or six days or so. We'd go back to Los Angeles, shoot the first five, and then shoot the last five in LA in their entirety, and then go back to Berlin for six through 10 on the backside. So it had some advanced scheduling challenges for sure in trying to figure out how to have JK be the version he needs to be in episode five and then go back to Los Angeles and have the version he needs to be at the beginning of episode two, things like that, and having to incorporate all that and back time it that way. And, so, and then to, wow. to, further to further complicate things, you know, we were finishing our first, you know, our LA block and uh, I'm not giving anything away here uh, because she's talked about it publicly, but uh, Olivia Williams got cancer and basically came to us four days before we were supposed to leave and said, look, um, I can't come to Berlin uh, at least right away. So we had to, had to scramble and shoot everything out that we were planning on doing in Berlin essentially right away. Um, she had to do a nine page scene you know, talking to herself essentially with about three days notice. Um, so Thomas had moved on. He'd, he'd gone to Berlin and I had stayed back to finish some of his, his episodes, you know, stuff that I, I hadn't prepped. And then, you know, on the flip side of that, he would do, uh, you know, a lot of stuff for my episodes. So it certainly, you know, was a constant, uh, constant struggle to piece everything together in a way that made sense. Now, um, so given the nature of this show and its uh, intricate plotting and uh, um, uh, intrigue and diplomacy, as I mentioned earlier, is that to say then that you had full scripts for all the episodes out the gate or were there revisions and changes coming through in the course of filming as, say, I'm more accustomed to on other episodic television? In season one, we had all 10 episodes straight up at the at least a version and they were rewritten as we went on one of the 
one of the things that was difficult in, in that world and having all 10 was the world building aspect. So in creating a reality that doesn't exist and having to incorporate every department into that world building conversation, it just kind of evolved, but we had all 10 scripts. Second season, we definitely did not. <laughs> uh, it was definitely more conventional and we had, uh, we had a few at the start and we got them all on time and we were able to get it all done as we needed to, but it was definitely more down to the wire. So do you think it was in the sense that the um, plot itself was changing as you were filming or just the out was following an outline and just hadn't filled in the details? It was just more detailed out. I think just discovering things as we were shooting, uh, especially when we got on the ground in Berlin, uh, how we used the city as a character. Uh, and in the locations became an additional character to the show. So I think that once Justin got on the ground there, he was able to kind of give it an extra layer and bring that to the show that it, it had in LA, but I think that it was enhanced when we got to Berlin, put it that way. Well, you talked about uh, Berlin as a character. And so, and Joe, I want to bring you into this conversation as well. You also traveled, I'm presuming, back and forth with the crew. Yes. And was it, did you take your entire, did the entire hair makeup department travel together or were you working with locals on location? God, no, it was only me. <laughs> <laughs> for both sides, hair, makeup, the whole trailer, who's the representative for the show? Now, we had a hair department, a oh, very long, complicated story. We had a hair department that first season didn't work out as well as everyone had planned. And so we decided, they decided it would save them money to not bother bringing us since it wasn't what everybody had expected it to be, the experience. So we just picked up a hair department in Berlin. Um, they work differently in Europe than we work in America. So everybody there does both hair and makeup. So I was the only straight makeup artist um, and then leapt into a department that everybody did both so defining all of that, changing the system with how we worked was sort of imperative if it was going to continue. And because I was the only one who went back and forth, I did the entire cast, um, which made it a little more complicated. <laughs> I but I will say with, with, you know, with internet and sync on set, which is a new platform that they have that you download you know, all of your continuity online, it was pretty seamless by the time we got to second season. We had a hairdresser in Los Angeles. I traveled over. They had all of the notes online, so they were able to get up to speed with every look that we had. So it actually ended up being fantastic. And, and the girls in Europe were amazing. I had an amazing department. Now, when you talk about the look that everyone had, I think that goes back to some of the things, um, Taylor, you mentioned earlier that JK lost 30 pounds and some stuff about beard. Was that in continuity changes or just over the course of time and with other considerations, he had lost that weight or changed? Can I, can I take that one? Yeah, absolutely. Can I take that question? Okay. So <laughs> you owe me one. So, um, <laughs> so, so, not only did JK plays two characters, so he lost 30 pounds for one character. That's where it got confusing because the other character did not lose 30 pounds. So when we had to sneak in the fact that this character was going through something traumatic and had lost all this weight and had ended up growing a beard, the scheduling on their side and on my side to try and make this all come together 
became very difficult because the other guy that he plays is supposed to be fine. So that's where we got into, we got into quicksand. I mean, we survived, but it was, it became an issue. And he was very insistent upon being able to maintain this look that he worked so hard to achieve. Yeah. So, so basically we got to the end of our, our first Berlin block and we saved all of his scenes for the end of the first Berlin block. So when we left, we basically had two and a half, three weeks of prep before we got back to LA. Uh, and in the story, uh, the, the Howard character gets thrown in prison. And so he's, he's there and he's, he's losing a bunch of weight. So that he took that opportunity to, you know, to grow a beard and, and drop a bunch of weight. And then we had to pick up with, with him as Howard when we got back to LA up until the point he shaved his beard. So we had to build a whole set in downtown LA and, you know, we had directors flip-flopping and, you know, our director who was supposed to do the, the first, just the first episode, I think ended up, you know, I, I'm, I think he was able to buy a, a house with the amount of money he, <laughs> he made because, you know, he just, because of those scheduling issues, uh, his span just, you know, essentially doubled. I yeah, think. essentially, you have X number of days to shoot the episode, but because you're shooting all of the episodes, it's just spread out over, it sounds like months before you're even finishing episode one. Yeah, I mean, it was, I think it was four to five months for, <laughs> for episode one. It was, it was a bit. Well, let's talk some more about the challenges of shooting doubles. Not only are they playing two characters, but there are many, many scenes where they're interacting with themselves. What's that like from both, I can imagine challenges for the makeup and hair department, yes, and also for scheduling. How do you actually get that done? Thomas, you wanna take that? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I think the, the main, from a scheduling perspective, I think that it's, it's more about just, I mean, obviously you have to accommodate a little bit of extra time for the visual effects of it. There's a lot more time placed in preparation and, and adhering to a, a more strict shot list uh, when possible. And not to say that there's not room to adjust, it's just that it has to be laid out for the VFX of it all to tie everything together. Um, I think that it's probably more difficult on the other departments, uh, like Angela's department, and, and having to have some sort of difference between the two characters, but not too different to where it breaks our schedule and makes our lives difficult. We had to kind of work in harmony to, to make that work and fit certain time frames and had a very honest dialogue about it. But it's also finding these doubles and finding these people that could do the opposing lines. So you'll have JK doing his dialogue for Howard Alpha on the Alpha side and he's talking to Howard Prime. His stand-in and one of his good friends, John Funk, has been a stand-in for years and he would act opposite him. He was his acting double as well and they look similar and he was his body double. But finding that for every character we had to double along the way got into the dozens and having to find acting doubles in Germany for English speaking actors and flying them out of you know England to get to bring them to Berlin. <laughs> it was uh, a lot of chasing to, to make that work. Yeah, I mean, we had, uh, you know, there's a scene in the end of episode nine that I won't give away, but you know, there was, uh, you know, five, I think we had what, four counterparts and each of those people had to have a stunt double as well as an acting double. So we, over the course of two and a half days, and basically we had 
I think four days, Angela, we waited to the last possible minute to cast these people. So we had to have a, you know, an African-American, we had to find an African-American stunt double and uh, photo double in Berlin that, you know, was of a certain age and could speak English. And we just didn't get all of those things. (laughs) (laughs) But I will say, by the time we completed all of this, we actually achieved this so successfully that it's seamless when you watch it. You yeah. don't actually know. We did, we did, we really did. It came together so beautifully. You watch these scenes and you would have no idea that they're two separate people. Yeah, I mean, we had such a finite, I mean, just specifically for that scene, we had one actor who was only available. We had to fly him in from London, pick him up at the airport, bring him to set. Uh, Mira, the actress played Mira, was only available on that Sunday. We had to take get, pick her up from the airport. Um, you know, our guy who played Juma then had to leave. We had to basically shoot the other side of the scene without him the second day. Uh, and then we, to further complicate it, we had to do it all out of order because we had to do the ending first for, for those reasons. And then uh, to further complicate matters, the, the location that we had, Tempelhof, they didn't, we had one day that we could shoot that. So it was this crazy <laughs> house of cards that uh, it's, it's a miracle that it actually got pulled off. Yeah, we decided to add challenges as we got through the course of the second season. I think we got bored with the traditional counterpart <laughs> scene. There was a, we did have one where we tried to outdo ourselves in it's episode 206, where we had a scene that had uh, 10 characters existing in one room uh, and we wanted to shoot that as a oneer, and have it be one shot with all ten people. So you can't utilize true doubles in that sense. You can't use or these acting doubles. It just doesn't work because obviously it's not the same person. Uh, so we had two sets of twins. We were able to cast two characters as as actual twins, identical twins. And then we, for the ones that did not have twins, we would literally have them walk out of a door, run down the hallway, take off a jacket, step in <laughs> another door as the other character. And we did it all as one shot, and I think we did three takes, and we nailed it. It was oh, it, it was magnificent. It was it was one of those things where we're like, oh, that was that was something fun and special. It's sort of right smack in the middle of the episode. You go, you go right through it, and you're like, huh, I don't think I've ever seen that before. It's fun. Wow. So. so people playing both characters in the same shot managed to fill in on both to both sides. That is quite incredible. I can't imagine. Yeah, it was. It took some some careful mapping, uh, certain accommodations from the art department to provide, literally to provide doors and walls where there weren't any, so that we could get characters into a certain position to make this even work. Uh, it took a lot of a lot of accommodating. There were costume representatives in the hallways with costumes standing by, literally guy jumping into coveralls and zipping them up, and he's running in out of breath at the end of the scene. It's it's great. It's it worked really really well. You can't tell. It's great. Well, with the challenge you've described, tell me a little about how the actors took to all of this. Uh, not only the scheduling, which, yes, you're doing it to accommodate some folks, but that also makes it more difficult for others. And the back and forth in hair and makeup and just having to, having to change and be these unique characters on both sides of the Alpha Prime split. You know, everybody was down for the show. Everybody loved the idea that they got to play two people. So really, with the exception of JK and his beard and his weight loss, 
everybody was very accommodating because they really loved both sides of the paradigm that they were able to act, you know? So everybody just, we, we just did it. It wasn't even a thought. We didn't have a chance to do this. It was, okay, out of that, look into this, look out of that, look into this. You know? <laughs> and like I said, I did everybody. So Ange was always in a van going back and forth. That's, Ange spent a lot of time in vans. <laughs> It, but they were great. They were great about the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, I think you had JK down to, you know, going between Alpha and Prime in 30 minutes, which is pretty remarkable. Right. Wow. That's true. And I, and Justin Marks, the creator of the show, he he did a great job of of looping everybody in as to what the show was when they signed on. He would sit down with with, with whatever whoever this actor was and who had to double themselves and explain to them, the point and, and what he was looking for out of that. And then, you know, Taylor and I would kind of have to explain to them how it works from a practical standpoint on the day when we're shooting, just because it's so different and atypical. So it was, uh, it was interesting. And what about the crew? How did they take to it as a, as a team? You know, it was Which interesting. One? <laughs> Which we, we had many <laughs> yeah <laughs> well so talk some about yeah how much crew stuck through was there a lot of change mid-season between seasons what was it like uh, crew atmosphere i'll let you guys take that because i was in there season one i mean the la crew was largely the same from seasons one to two even though we had a, a significant break of, uh, in time between the two seasons i think everybody that was a part of it in the first season wanted to be a part of it in the second season i think there were only two two major departments that weren't the same i think everybody really enjoyed what we were doing and knew that it was something different uh so it was it was nice and the german crew was almost exclusively the same it was almost entirely i don't i think we only didn't have five people or something like that from season one it was it was great to have that kind of continuity so you under you create a visual language in the first season and then you come back into the second season and it's like okay well now how can we make this even better you know, how can we take something that we, we figured out pretty quickly in season one? We had some, we had some difficulties for sure. We definitely had our own pro our problems in season one. But in season two, I think, you know, we figured out a way to do this and challenge ourselves to make it different as well. Uh, and it, it, was, it was a nice experience to have, I think. Yeah, I was very impressed with our German crew. Just uh, very German, very efficient, obviously. Uh, but they have a, a lot of ways of doing things there that, I think are, are better in a lot of respects than, than how we do it here. As first ADs and having to manage schedule and such, was there an entirely different set of rules as far as lunch breaks or grace or any of the, um, did you add, did you add, and I'm guessing you probably had German seconds or second seconds uh, to assist. Yeah. How'd that sort out for you guys? Well, just an example on my show now, uh, the rookie, we, we get our script basically, eight, nine days out. And then we're basically publishing a schedule three days into that. Uh, in Berlin, we had to have our schedule locked three weeks out because that's, that's how the German government operates. So three weeks out before you really settle, you're basically committing to a plan, you know, before you really had a chance to sit with the script and figure out how you're going to shoot it. You have to say, okay, you know, these are the times. And we basically went through and, you know, this is one of the, one of the shows where you actually write out exactly how long each scene is going to take and you publish that. So this, we're there from 4 p.m. to 6.30 and everybody signs off on that's, that's the plan. Uh, 
in LA, it's not quite like that. So it's definitely a, an adjustment, at least for me, to suddenly have to say three weeks out, this is what it is. It's amazing to see how efficient we actually can be. Yeah. As opposed to just filling in the allotted time of 12 to 14 to 16 hours. Mm. Because they have a 10-hour work schedule. So we're not allowed to go over that. We did most of the time, but not by a lot. Not like what we do here when we do 16-hour days. No. Yeah. If you go over by 30 minutes, it was a big deal, and you better not do it consecutive days. And there, you don't have the union structure of rules there, whereas you know meal penalties and, and grace and things like that. But it's more that it's, it's a legal thing. It's a government thing to where you can't labor work laws. somebody. Hmm. Uh, yeah, it's, a, it's a, literally labor a German laws. labor law. You can't work longer than 10 hours or, or 11 hours elapsed per day. Turnarounds are longer. Uh, it makes scheduling very interesting. And like Taylor said, having to turn that in three weeks in advance, it, it just meant that you know, you're a month out and I'm literally sitting on the floor in the locations office trying to figure out how we can combine these things to make it work and find a way to put this all together in two countries. It's bizarre. And, and in some cases, you don't have your, you know, you maybe had your director for a day or two. Mm. Um, so it definitely presents some challenges. If we had some, some director show up and you just said, this is what you're doing. <laughs> Happened more than and, once. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> more than once. <laughs> and in true European you know, fashion, if you try to cut their lunch by less than an hour, it's an uproar. Yeah, you, the you Europeans don't like to sit and have their lunch for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> you don't mess with their food. You don't mess with their don't, lunch. Mess. <laughs> don't mess with the coffee. It's, uh, it's 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 a great way to work. I have to say, I, I and really it's fabulous. It. It's a great way to work. It's a great. Well, way to work. I mean, I was going to say with uh, this kind of scheduling, I would think for all of you, does that mean you got to you got a little bit more downtime in Berlin? You got to enjoy the city for actually what it is. Or yes. you guys were it filling was, in all that extra time anyway. It was nice to have an extra two hours every night. I, you know, you got actually a little bit of rest and my family came out, which was nice. Um, in the wintertime, it was still really cold. So there was not a lot of outside time. But, uh, but yeah, it was, I love 10-hour days. Yeah, I've never been more rested uh, on a show than I was on this. It was great. But when you work, you work. And then when you go home, there's a quality of life that was that I, I miss when you do a show here and it's, it's back to, you know, 12, 14 hours. It's just a and driving back and forth three hours in traffic in Los Angeles. It's, it gets tiresome. So it was nice to have that little treat. You would actually sit on set, Robert, and make plans going, where should we go for dinner? Now, I don't know. I'm sure that in the time that you spent in this business, you never had that opportunity to look at your coworkers and go, where should we go? Let's go have something to eat. It was that kind of thing. We were actually able to do that. And how long were, you said um, the first season you shot Los Angeles first and then went to Berlin. But the second season you had two Berlin segments, the beginning at the end. Am I breaking that down correctly? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. And so how long were the Berlin segments, second season? How many weeks? About 12 weeks. About 12 weeks on either side. I think we were in Berlin three months twice. And about... 14 weeks in LA, something like that with prepping prep and shoot, maybe even, maybe a little less. Where were your stages in Los Angeles? It was a uh, LA center studios, downtown and, LA. 
And for both seasons, did they just hold the stages or that's a breakdown set back up, I imagine? That's a pretty small studio, if I remember correctly. They, they had, by the nature of how some of the sets were built, they had to hold them. You, you couldn't tear down things like the crossing. It couldn't be rebuilt if it was torn down. It was then destroyed and rebuilt from scratch. So just by the amount of plaster work and things like that. So it was because of that, and we knew we needed it the second season, it was a money save to just leave it up. It was cheaper to hold the stages. So fun side note, Skid. Uh, we, we shot on the same stage as uh, the hospital set for Just Like Heaven. It was, the, uh, <laughs> it was the same set that caught on fire that day. <laughs> Again, a story for another podcast, but a yeah. uh, little deja vu for you, huh? Being back there. Yeah, it was nice. I think I've only spent... Uh, three years of my life total at LA Center Studios. <laughs> do they do uh, these? Do they do punch cards now there that every visit you get a? If you go ten times, you get a free one. You know what? I was just there uh, two weeks ago, and you know, started to go through it, and I think I got up to fourteen different projects at that one spot. So, jeez. Well, let's turn our attention to the grimmer news of cancellation. Did you guys know while you were filming that? The second season was going to be the last, or did that come up later? It was definitely a surprise for all of us. Yes, we, are, we were all anticipating and hoping to be going back to do a third season. Absolutely. And so it came down after the season, after you guys had finished filming, that's when the notice came down that there wouldn't be a third. Yeah, season two was already airing and was, I think, almost completely aired when we found out that it wasn't coming back. I think the big surprise that I just found out was that last week or two weeks ago, there was an article published that stars was trying to skew to a female audience. And that was the reason that we weren't picked up as a female. I kind of find that offensive because <laughs> no, truly, because basically what they're saying is that the only thing we watch is Hallmark and that we're watching a show that really is complex and complicated. We're not able to follow along as a female. Yeah, it, it does seem like Stars is going the direction of, uh, you know, the Outlander the model. Channel. And yeah. yeah, Hallmark and, you know, princess princess dramas. Yeah, and little, little did they know that four out of seven writers on the show in the second season were female. 50% uh, of our directors were female. Like there was a, a major female presence on the show and getting it created. It was created by female minds. And to say that the show is not is too male is it's 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 crazy yeah it's crazy I, that's an interesting if they're trying to change their direction but do you think the show with the ratings as they were was probably vulnerable to cancellation either way or i don't know sometimes these shows with small numbers i think of like uh, crazy ex-girlfriend for cw they kept it up because it got prestige and this show certainly had a lot of prestigious credibility they didn't know what to do with it that was really the problem. Stars didn't know exactly, which is the reason you really never heard about a marketing campaign. They really were clueless as to where and how to put this show out. Yeah, we had no idea. You know, season two, I only found out it was coming out because I got invited to the, uh, to the cast and crew party. And season one, you know, it was on every billboard. It was, you know, at the NBA playoffs. It was, uh, it was a big deal. And then, you know, critics loved it. It was a big hit. So I think everybody assumed that it was going to run for a long time. You know, the typical show, you, you, you're pretty nervous and you're thinking, oh, you know, we'll see if it comes back. But, you know, at least when we were finishing, we sort of thought it was a foregone conclusion. 
it's very funny to be on a show that is critically acclaimed 100% on Rotten Tomatoes and is basically any, everybody that likes it loves it. Every, I'm sorry, everybody that watches it loves it. And then to have it go away just because some, they don't know how to market it and what to do with it. It's hard to get people to watch a show when you don't tell anybody that it's on. So it is interesting. Now, do you guys think that there's any possibility of it getting picked up by another network? That's, uh, it has happened to other shows. The Expanse being the example, of course, that people quote most often. Uh, th- this one has run its course. Yeah. 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 I think they came, they came back and they actually tried a couple of different right, models to try and get it picked up. But some of the networks that wanted it wanted too much of our executive producer and he's got other things in the pot. And they didn't go out of their way not knowing what was going to happen to sign everybody's contracts. So without that, there was no hold on all of the actors and they were all then free to pick up other shows. So yeah. maybe just an animated series, then someone can draw. <laughs> but there was certainly a lot. Uh, there were certainly just a lot of stories still to be explored, quite frankly, which is disappointing that it's not coming back. You know, a lot of heart and soul. You know, and I was only there for one season, but you know, certainly when we were there, we all felt like we were part of something special, and uh, you know that we were building to something to something bigger. And you know, the actors as well. I mean, they, you know, was working with Harry Lloyd uh, on Legion after you know, through the process of it slowly, you know, watching it slowly slip away. And it was heartbreaking. Yeah, it was one of those shows where you, when you're making it and everybody's on board for the same cause and you really do feel like a family in a way. And you've, you can see that you're, you know, you're doing something special that is a story worth telling. And it was very sad for all of us when it didn't come back. Part of that also is that we forged such amazing friendships in our time in Germany that, you know, nobody wanted to give up their European vacations. <laughs> yeah. nice maybe, maybe next year you can break it into three segments. You can just go to, go to Germany every other episode and, then, uh, and back and forth. So revisiting that, how large was the traveling crew between Los Angeles and Berlin? There were like five of us. Yeah. yeah that's it. Very, oh, that's it. Yeah. Le- less maybe. than 10. All in, yeah. Yeah, the scripty, you know, three ADs, Angela. Yeah. The not, writers. Not a lot. And the writers. Visual effects. And visual effects. But again, uh, yeah. Camera, your cinematographer or your camera operators? Uh, you know, our, our DP actually was, was German, but, you know, living in LA. So that, that worked out great. And then we ended up bringing a pretty remarkable steady cam operator from, I think he was Dutch, who was uh, in Germany or Denmark. And then we, uh, we, brought into LA, which is great. Yeah, if anybody created the, the visual language of the show from a below the line perspective, it's Karsten Jacobson, the camera operator. He is the most brilliant steady cam operator I've ever worked with. Uh, he sees things that I don't think anybody else can see before it happens. It's, it's remarkable to watch him work. He has some very incredible videos on YouTube uh, yeah. that are worth watching. Yeah, we, we call him the t- uh, Techno Viking, was his nickname. <laughs> but uh, yeah, certainly, uh, you know, after working with Karsten, every Steadicam operator I work with is uh, just disappointing. There are levels to which they can aspire, Taylor, as far as uh, you, your other Steadicam operators. Correct, correct. Well, any other shout-outs, folks, of uh, uh, stories, particular stories you remember? Um, we're good, we don't want to go into spoilers necessarily on specific scenes, but you talked about some of the challenges with doubles. Were there any other scenes that really stick in your mind as uh, unique or whether difficult or fun? You know, our bridge sequence in the first episode, you know, we, 
I think it didn't get above seven degrees was the high on that day. Uh, it was, it was a full day. You know, we only had one Sunday where we could close down the bridge. We had, we had to do, you know, it was seven, six or seven pages plus stunts and, you know, company moves. It was just a, a massive day. And, uh, you know, the weather presented its own challenge because, it, you know, you just could never get warm. So, should point out that was, that was also the first day of shooting of season two. <laughs> Yeah. That's right, because season two, you opened in Berlin for the start of yeah. season two. Yeah, shooting on a Sunday. That was our yeah. first day. Yeah. It, was it was memorable. Day. But only 10 hours. We get it all in 10 hours. 10 hours in one minute. <laughs> 10 hours in seven degrees is a long 10 hours. <laughs> it was it's great. A very long. <laughs> I, was in a, I was living in an apartment down the street from where they were shooting, and I was still in prep. So I just walked down there. I had my coffee. Got to say <laughs> hi to everybody and, and watch them go. and. And seeing seeing what everybody was doing, and you know, Taylor out there with the with the microphone and the speaker talking to everybody, it was it was it was pretty cool to see a large scale thing day one season two. It was, it was very fun. Yeah, that's one of my one of my favorite scenes to watch, just because it's uh, you know, we in order to get that done, we we took you know twenty cars to a, an airfield out uh, on a Saturday and rehearsed it for for you know seven eight hours. Uh, so that when we actually got to, to the bridge, we were able to, to do it seamlessly. So we, we did a lot of stunt rehearsals for the show. Uh, and I think, you know, those rehearsals were definitely the difference in, in, you know, doing something that, you know, maybe would have been okay to making it great. You know, we did, uh, you know, a pretty, a pretty amazing water and I think it was episode four you know, Baldwin, we did this fight scene and, you know, guy gets stabbed in the neck and he's just sort of slowly bleeding out as, uh, as Baldwin is, you know, fighting everybody and, you know, causing carnage behind him. And, uh, you know, stuff like that was, was unique. And it was fun to do. It was a pleasure to have the, have the time to, to really work it out and, you know, not just having to throw everything together and, you know, have three hours to try to make something work. We actually had a, a fair amount of planning. Yeah, we had a lot of support. I think every time we ever wanted to do a rehearsal, whether it be a, a counterpart scene with the acting doubles or a stunt rehearsal, we always had the support of all of our producers and, and anything we wanted to do and try to, to make this happen. They were always very supportive. And, and I think that Taylor and I were, got a little spoiled there just because it's to always be like, okay, go do what you need to do was, was always a nice feeling to have their, you know, they have your back. Well, guys, this has been great. Uh, I'm, I'm sad this show isn't coming back for another season, as are many folks. But thank you guys very much for joining today and helping us capture some of the behind-the-scenes effort. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you. Uh, listeners, I'd love to hear what you thought of the episode. You can send an email to skid, S-K-I-D, at belowtheline1word.biz. That's B-I-Z. I also appreciate your feedback via iTunes, where I review your ratings and comments, and Facebook, where I post photos and other behind-the-scenes materials at Podcast Below the Line. Finally, you can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram. It's at Pod Below the Line. Thanks to Curtis Fi for our music and John Wan for our logo. The logo is available on t-shirts, mugs, and stickers at redbubble.com. Thanks for listening. Join us for another episode in two weeks.
just my thoughts on this one was to actually encourage more people to go see it. Quite frankly, yeah, uh, no, they, they should go see it. No, the the only thing the only thing that's different that is that is spoilery is that the, there was a whole that whole period episode. Yeah, I, I hadn't seen the final episode till last night. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah, 